You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can contact the show via Twitter at ShortShiftPod. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. It's Boston Hockey Talk with your hosts, Thomas Nystrom and Andrew Johnson. Enjoy the show. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. That was every bit of the week that we did not necessarily want to see. We started as strong, a 4-0 win in New York, followed by a 4-0 loss. On and off, on and off. We lose again the next night, 4-1. And then uh, and then Tuesday, we put it together, or really, Vladar put it together for us with a 2-1 win. Andrew, that was uh, just as much of a bipolar week as we had the week before, man. Neither one of us were right. With our predictions, neither one of us were uh, very positive feeling coming into even last night's game. And even coming out of last night's game, I, I still don't have like warm, bubbly feelings. A win is a win, but that was one of the most stressful wins that I can remember watching. How are you feeling about the Bruins right now, man? I feel just about the same as I did last week. Like nothing has changed. Um, I think... That four that four nothing win really I, I galvanized the team because it came right after Don Sweeney's organizational organization wide call out, and I was feeling pretty good about that. I actually I was feeling pretty good about that because it just seemed like the team was like okay we can breathe a little bit, <sighs> like the pressures on the front office, and then and then Thomas, how long have you been watching the Bruins? Long enough. Outside of <laughs> outside of like nine two ten two blowouts, you know. Shout out to Dave Lewis. Was that the worst game you've ever seen the Bruins play, or this incantation of the Bruins play? And I'm talking about like within the last maybe nine ten years. That four nothing lost in the New York on Saturday last Saturday. I, I don't want to say that it didn't look like the team cared, but they certainly didn't fucking play like they really did. Like they're they're stretching themselves thin. They're not completing their checks. They're not completing any offensive entries. They're obviously not fucking finishing their shots. I don't understand how a team with this much talent can just go fucking dormant. And I that was one of the few games that I knew I shouldn't have finished the game. And I did almost to like just punish myself. And <laughs> I watched every minute of all four of these last games and not once did I feel good about it. I think I put a poll up through the short shift pod uh, Twitter uh, the other day about like, how are we feeling? And it's, it's split between this is a playoff team and this team needs to make a move. Like, I don't really know what else to say about this team other than we are, we need to be buyers at the deadline. 
two things. I, I say I say this all the time on the on, I say this all the time on the pod. Two things can be true. This is a playoff team, and they need to make a move. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I will say that part of my part of my influence there is some injuries, and you asked me a week ago, do I think we need to go out and get a defenseman? I didn't I didn't want to, but now like looking just looking at the injuries right now and Tonorti taking that fall looks like he may be out for a bit. And not to say he was this like key cog in our, our machine towards the playoffs, but he was, he was a body. Watching the way he went down. Um, he had a planking effect. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, when you get a concussion, um, if you get it strong enough, your a sign of your nervous system temporarily shutting down is that straight arm out to the side. Yep. No bend. I think he's done for the year. That's like, that was, if you got, if anybody, if any of our listeners uh, watch college football, um, it reminded me a lot of California running back years and years ago by the name of Javid Best, mm-hmm. where he got, where he did a, a somersault into the end zone on one of the, the sickest plays you'll ever see on a football field. And he got cracked in the head and you just saw his entire body. It was almost like rigor mortis. You almost yeah, thought he was dead. At, between him with, with a clear head injury and and Carlo with the head injury, there's no timetable for either one of these dudes. You can, you can put a timetable on it, but like, we don't know what percent of that person is going to come back and how long they'll last. Like well, head injuries, you, it's not a broken wrist, you know, mm-hmm. like, Broken wrist, you're like, okay, six weeks in, they can start turning. Yeah, yeah Lausanne, like Lausanne, yeah. broken hand. He'll be back. He'll be back probably within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but it's it's not the same for head injury. So you almost have to just think that you're not getting these people back. And Carlo obviously is a bigger piece that you're not having right now. But but either one. So so now I'm on board with let's go out and and get a defenseman. But right. The defense is still not the fucking problem, man. Nope. Um, I will. I, I. I will end this. End the thought on the defense with this note. Uh, Fluto Shinzawa reported yesterday that Carlo is ramping up his off ice activities, which, if if we want to go bipolar, you know, bad thing. And now we'll do like a slightly good thing. It looks like he's tracking at least. He's tracking in the getting back into game shape department. So that's good. Yeah. But to your next point, the defense is not the problem. No, it is not. I mean, we this, did get outscored in this series, and we gave up, what was it, uh, was it 10, I think, for a – no, nine goals in the four games. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. still under a two-goal game or around a two-goal game average. That's, that's respectable for the injuries. Mm-hmm. So the defense is not a problem. It didn't perform as well as you wanted it to, particularly on Saturday and Monday where mm-hmm. they gave up four goals in back-to-back nights. Some of that's on Halak. Uh, I know I said it on Twitter last night. Halak is, it's, he's just not an everyday guy and watching him three games in a row. It's, he's, he's a one B and that's fine. It's, but, and he's, he's one of the best period at that. Yes. But for he's him to step into the, in the one, NHL. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're a one A. No. And, and realistically, we should have probably lost last night too. But Ladar had a hell of a game. Hell oh, like we're we're gonna get into that because um, there were there were some takes mm-hmm. on uh, 
on the, I'm starting to call it the hell bird app. Yeah. <laughs> there were some takes on that, but um, to your point about the, about the defense not being the problem and the Fords still needing help. It got to the point where yesterday um, or rather you're, you're, you're trying to move away from saying yesterday today. <laughs> um, so what day was it? What day was it? Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Okay. On Tuesday, Jimmy VC was put on waivers by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm. Bruins fans were clamoring for a claim. I see you shaking your head. Yeah, <laughs> Do you it, remember it, when he was the most sought after college free agent in about 10 years in the NHL back uh, in uh, 2016? And without even getting too much into VC, mm-hmm. just, just the bare bones of what you just said, the idea of let's claim somebody off of waivers, isn't that exactly what everybody was bitching about and saying this is all Sweeney's going to do? He's just going to find some fucking cheap guy on waivers and that's going to be his move. Yeah, and then the second somebody's on waivers, oh, I'll grab him. Yeah, right. Get the fuck out of here! I don't want Jimmy VC. No, like, no. It's, well, Vancouver did, but that's more and that that that's more that's more a uh, damning of Vancouver than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Next stop, the Swiss League, because you know who else went there? You, you know who else went to this sort of career path? Ryan Spooner. Cheers. Yeah. <sighs> it's like, oh, I really wish, I really wish you could have, we we could have picked him up. No, you fucking don't. Nah. You just, it's, it's, we, we have a Jimmy VC at home. In fact, we have about seven Jimmy VCs at home. You don't play with the other, you don't play with the other seven. Why get an eighth? Yeah. So the offense needs help. Nothing has changed from this, from last week, from being by, from being bipolar. We went from a solid effort in the first game against New York. A max effort, including Halak. Including Halak, max effort, including Halak, uh, I did not have Zachary Sanishin and Sean Corrali having amazing chemistry together on yeah. my 2021 bingo card, but... I think that says more about Sanishin's speed than anything else. That kid can fly. Yeah. I, 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 I always knew the kid had speed. He is, he's a fucking, he's a fucking burner. He can, yeah. he can go. And I, I, I will maintain this to my grave. Everybody... Everybody likes to poo-poo on Seneshin, et cetera. I think the style play and the head, the head for the game has taken a while to catch up, but Zachary Seneshin always has had first-round talent, mm-hmm. first-round tools. It's just putting it all together, and it feels like, you know, before his injury, ugh, yeah, it felt like he was getting it together. Because that that meant that boy can that that boy can that boy leaves trails when he goes one step and he's gone. Yeah, he's a very impressive skater. It's it's a it's unfortunate that he he got banged up so quickly because this to me I think would be a make it or break it year for this kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been in this organization for for long enough. Mm-hmm. We don't need to talk about when he got drafted. I think we all kind of fucking know that. It's it's one of those things where you need to see everything out of this kid like now, and yep. if if he didn't get hurt, he could have been kind of considered this midseason acquisition. I don't think he's the answer, obviously, mm-hmm. but but he would have 
been a fucking boost. Speed is a boost, period. Yeah. Effortless speed, too. If you can skate, you will always be found. If you yeah. can skate, you could be living under a rock. That's yeah. what's, what Harry Neal always used to say. If you and can that's, skate, scouts will find you. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at when it came to like his chemistry with Corrali. Seneshin mm-hmm. was making himself open and available mm-hmm. and looking excellent. Corrali just putting the puck on him made Corrali look wonderful. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this year, it, it's, it's taken a lot to see anything wonderful out of Corrali. Uh, who pretty much once Seneston was off the ice and off of his line, he kind of went right back to nothingness. And mm-hmm. it's extremely frustrating. So we go from that game to a dog dick effort last Saturday. An mm-hmm. absolute... If, if, you like, if you like bad games, if you like Schadenfreude, if you're not a fan of the Bruins and you like Schadenfreude, I suggest you watch that yep. and just you know, jerk off or whatever it is you do, because I, I don't want to talk anymore about that game. That was the worst effort I have seen since the Dave Lewis Bruins. And I'm not exaggerating. The only thing I'm going to say about that game mm-hmm. is I went up to my in-laws on Saturday to help them. They're redoing the kitchen, help them install some cabinets and just kind of get some, some muscle out there for them. Uh, they are Rangers fans. They're from from New York, and they're Rangers fans. So I went up there knowing that the game was on and knowing that that was going to be part of that day. Grace's mother loves to talk shit, and she had every right to talk some shit the other night. So I got to drive home angry by myself. <laughs> that's dog always shit, healthy, isn't it? Dog shit tired after a dog shit effort. So. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. That's like the one game that I just needed them to at least just look presentable. No, no. I had, I had nothing positive to say about my own team yep. and just, just had to sit there and take it. And, uh, and then, and then we moved on to Pittsburgh and my hope was that we came out strong because with up and down, up and down, we were due for a backup and we came out flat as fuck in that game too. We were flat gave as up, fuck in that gave game. Gave up another four. Halak proved why he's a one B. Yeah. All three of those goals were stopped, stoppable. They were all soft. Yep. Those were the kind of goals that if Tuka Rask gave them up, we would be, not we, the royal we, mm-hmm. would be wanting him on a rail. And But he gets a pass. <laughs> he he kind of got a pass for that. It's like, oh, you can't blame the team. It's the team in front of him. Yeah, it is the team in front of him. Okay, all right. But you got to stop those, man. Yep. You have Malkin, to. Malkin with a goal and an assist. Crosby yeah. with a goal and two assists. Mm-hmm. What was most frustrating was to only get one goal on Tristan Jari, who we've talked about before on this podcast, mm-hmm. who has long been cut on my fantasy team because of just fucking incompetence. And now he's but, picked it back up. <laughs> and now he picked it back up. He had 42 saves the other night. Yeah. 42. Yep. In that 4-1 mm-hmm. game. Yep. Mm-hmm. is just gross. Well, that was that was a direct... I think that was a direct edict by Bruce Cassidy to be like, I don't care where you shoot it from. I, I, I don't care where you shoot it from. I just need you to shoot it. Yeah. Because that Rangers game, I'm, I'm sorry to keep going back to it, but I do have a question there. How do you have five power plays and only have 18 shots the entire game? 
Just incompetence, how, man. How does that happen? So, yeah, the yeah, incompetence, yeah, incompetence, and just an utter inability to adjust to a very simple New York Rangers game plan, which was four check, four check, four check. There was nothing structurally sound about the Rangers. It was just go after them, and the Bruins fucking cowered. And so there's that there's there's the flat Pittsburgh game, which, you know, I don't want to talk anymore about that either. But then let's talk about the last Pittsburgh game. Did you like without the power of hindsight for a second? Were you one of those? Bruins fans that were clamoring for Jeremy Swayman just because his first six games of the AHL, he's been beasting or no. good. No, good. I think Swayman has a very strong possibility at having a better NHL future than Vladar. I agree. I, with that. I think, I think that's honestly should be and likely is the general consensus. I know we have a number of people through the BNG group and, and all that, like Mark is very high on him, but, Vladar deserves mm-hmm. some credit. Vladar is a big body. I think he's six. I never realized how fucking massive that man is. He's yeah. a unit. Well, I, I said huge. it last night on the uh, on like a on like the group thing. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Pene or Pecorino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the big body and yeah. uh, just his style in general. Like, but I didn't mm-hmm. expect that performance from him last night. And if he made if the same really year, yeah, I mean. But luck or not, first period. <laughs> like I, I will take that. I he will say save of the year. The, the goal that he did give up, there was that deflection. Mm-hmm. He ended up being a little bit out of position because of the deflection. Because obviously mm-hmm. he's going to stop the puck as it was coming at him. Ugly rebound, no help, no help from that rebound whatsoever. I, I want to say it was Grizzly. Was it Zaboro? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was Zaboro. It was Zaboro because I, the, I, I tweeted out after that goal. I love a lot of what Zaboro does in transition and in moving the puck, but on set plays in his own end, he's he is he sometimes looks like a lost dog. He really does. Yep. So just the one goal, and that that's I up. know, and I know that comes from growing pains. I know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have yep. no doubt that Zaboro is going to continue to gain game experience and and better himself mm-hmm. i think he's incredibly incredibly high ceiling uh, yeah i think he has an incredibly high ceiling plays like that they're gonna happen but they will happen less with more experience and it was just right. unfortunate how that rebound came up and the only thing vladar gave up for that entire game and man i'll tell you what like one of the most frustrating things for me was multiple chances at sealing the game with the open net in the last two minutes and missing it, I was just like, this team is literally trying to give up a tying goal. And Pittsburgh was fucking hounding at the end of the game. I screamed. Yeah, I was it was screaming. It was. It wasn't until I saw people starting to congla- uh, congratulate Vladar that mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll take mm-hmm. that W. Like it's yeah. it's a win. Let's just let's. I turned off the TV and walked like moved on. I had to move on with my night because even in, it was probably. The most frustrating win. The worst see. win of the year. Well, <laughs> the entire game, you're just waiting for Pittsburgh to score and go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Bruins were not able to put a, a fucking insurance goal on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and let's let's talk let's talk about that for a second because 
Um, there's two, there's two parts to this story. We'll get to not being able to put an insurance goal up on the board for a second in a second or insurance. Cause it was tied one, one, but um, Brandon Tenev's hit on Jared Tenorti penalty. Yes. It was Major? a minor, a minor at best. Maybe it was, it was charging. It was definitely I, charging. The only reason he got, uh, the major and tossed was just because of the result of it. Like the, the injury, it didn't look good. It was the benches were both emotional. No. Do I think he should have got tossed? No. Was no. it a, was it a two minute penalty? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't even, I don't even fucking care about any of that. What I care about mm-hmm. is the fact that you saw your player go down and they came out so flat for five fucking minutes of a power play and just wasted it. You were, they were gifted a five minute power play. And they did nothing with it. They did absolutely nothing with it. And they were, they were playing catch. They were playing catch for about maybe three ten of that. Yeah. I would say for like the, probably three, the over three minutes of the, over the first over three minutes of that power play, they maybe took two shots. The rest of it was just passing around because they had possession. They had possession the entire time. And they did nothing with it. It was just, they're looking that they're they're holding their sticks too tight and they're looking for the perfect shot. I think that's I think that is a I, I, I think that is a direct symptom of what is going on right now. And that is if you want to encapsulate some of the Bruins problems on offense, look at that five minute power play. The structure is fine. It's not creative, but it's fine. It's good puck movement. It's players that can move the puck and players that can shoot the puck. But it's looking for the perfect lane, looking for the perfect shot, looking for top of the dots at the point. Nobody, nobody crashing the net for the, for the tip. Even fucking Nick Ritchie is standing at the side of the net with his stick out. Like get a dirty one. Don't we get, we get that you have good structure. Fucking do it messy. Do it messy. I will take ugly goals all day. Because ugly goals still count. Ugly goals count, and it also shows that they're they're fucking trying and they're they're scrapping and they're like max effort. That's what yes. a scrappy goal to me looks like. Mm-hmm. And I will right. fucking take it because at the end of the day, we're going back and we're looking at what the scores were for these games. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's a fucking asterisk. I don't fucking care how it happens. I just need to start getting some secondary scoring. I need to start getting fucking just production in general. I would be happier with better looking shots on goal. Mm-hmm. If the goalie that we're facing Frank on Smith, any we're given talking night, to you. Yeah. If if the goalie that we're facing on any given night plays a fantastic game, there's nothing we can do about it. What we can do about it is just fucking pepper the goaltenders. We should not we be getting shut out by Scott shit. Wedgwood and no. Keith Kincaid. Full no. stop. Ugh. I'm ready to put this week behind me though. I'm I'm ready to put the last month behind me, to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. This has not been fun. What we need is is some. We need some Buffalo Sabers. They are a clown organization, and Thomas. Thomas got some. Uh, Thomas got some choice uh, <laughs> views from a Sabers fan last night. You want to yeah, tell my, him about it? My buddy Jamie is is a <laughs> diehard diehard Sabers fan. He's just he's a great sports fan in general, but. Very big 
very big Sabres fan. And at some point, I'm going to get him on this podcast and we could talk about our road trips. I have gone up with him to Buffalo and, and caught some games and uh, have some good stories about that. And we will share those at a later time. What I will say is having gone to Buffalo multiple times to watch games, I know what that fan base is like. I honestly love that fan base up there. I love going to those games, the energy in the arena, the energy around the arena. That city doesn't have a lot going on, if we're being honest. That's why Bill's Mafia exists yeah. in the way that it does. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It's it's very similar for Sabres fans. Like That is a fucking passion up there, and mm-hmm. I respect the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. However, I remember a few years ago when uh, Pagula or how are the fuck you pronounce the owner's name? I think I, I actually think you got it right. Yeah, yeah. Terry Pagula. When he when he bought the team, I remember Jamie being excited. I remember just in general Sabres fans being excited because it's like this dude's a fan of this team. Like he knows what we were going through. He knows what we need to do. Man, it has gone fucking south since then. Jamie told me last night that their coach was previously running a soccer franchise with his last job. That's correct, yes. The GM was running the Harbor Center in the Community Junior Sabres team, and the owner's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> uh, uh, are we talking about Pagula as yep. a lunatic? Yeah. Okay. And, right. then, and then he started laying into other people. I just let him go. Mm-hmm. I, I egged him on with a couple of things and asked him a couple of questions just to kind of gain some insight for, for the interview that we're about to do with another Sabres podcast. But he said, and this this was last night around around ten o'clock. He goes, maybe they fire Ralph Kruger tomorrow. So what? Kevin Adams and Matt Ellis aren't turning this Titanic around. And I asked him, I was like, is that the talk? Is Kruger gone tomorrow? And he says it's been burnt to the ground again. And the only way out is to hire a grizzled, experienced fuck you president of hockey ops slash GM and tell Terry Pagula to fuck off. And and then him actually responding to, is Kruger gone tomorrow? He goes. I mean, if you're not fired after 10 straight losses, what's 10 more? <laughs> That's kind of the general consensus. He's he's past the point, and I think a lot of Sabres fans are kind of past the point of we can we can write this ship. I think they all want to kind of fucking burn it down and mm-hmm. and just start fresh. Do you start fresh with an Eichel? I don't think it makes sense to get rid of him. What the fuck are you going to get right now that's going to turn the franchise around tomorrow? That's that's the problem, and the the problem the problem is too is that um I texted this to you yesterday after I was do, do, doing a little deeper dive into the Sabers, and I've been well known to decry plus man, minus as sort of a dog food stat. Only in extreme cases does it tell a story. There are a lot of extreme cases on the Buffalo Sabers that just gives you an idea of how bad they are. Rasmus Dalin is probably the most glaring of these. Mm-hmm. A rookie defenseman who is supremely talented. He is supremely talented. And I don't know what the fuck they are doing to guys like him in Buffalo. But over 27 games, Rasmus Dalin has a minus 27. In 27 games. Yeah, and we don't we don't buy into the plus minus stats on this. Podcast, I really don't. But when they're that glaring, you mm-hmm. have to start you have to start thinking about what the fuck else is going on. Yeah. What What is there? Um. There is there isn't any one thing that 
Ralph Kruger got fired for. By the way, Ralph Kruger got fired this morning. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, there isn't any one thing that Ralph Kruger got fired for. But if y'all want to do a little hunting, there's one play in particular that encapsulates the the Buffalo Sabres season. And that was that last game against the Washington Capitals. Thomas, I don't know if you've seen this, mm-hmm. but a skating, it wasn't even a clinic. The Capitals, I don't even know who scored for the Capitals. I was too busy just wowed at how bad Buffalo's structure was. They just weaved around every Buffalo player and just tucked it in, uh, tucked it in the net. And you got to look for the goal. And when you do find that goal, you have to play yakety sacks in the background because it's mm-hmm. the only way that, that that goal makes sense. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and and but, you're talking about the mismanagement of a player like Darlene. Like, there's been a lot of that. Jamie actually pointed out, uh, and I'll just quote him for what mm-hmm. he said last night. He said, uh, Pegula was so mad at Ryan O'Reilly for telling the truth about the organization that we traded a Bergeron Taves level player for Vlad Sabatka. Patrick Berglund, a first and a meh prospect. That's Mike Milbury level insane. Don't get me wrong. To have an owner that's that big of a fan is is not a bad thing. There's multiple organizations that have their owners as one of their biggest fans. The problem is when you have a dude in that position who won't listen to reason, won't surround himself with the correct front office in general and just hires fucking people who will just say yes to him and stand up to him. Exactly, dude. That's how to run a franchise into the fucking ground. And 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 it's yes men and yes women. His his VP of hockey operations is his wife who has no prior experience in any sport, let alone hockey. It's, 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 it reeks of it it, re- it reeks of a fan of, of a fan buying a team and then and then hiring all his friends. It's cronyism. It's straight up cronyism. He is the sole reason why they re-signed Skinner. Eight years, nine million, full no movement. Because that's he wanted. Out, uh, remind me how well that's working out for them yeah. right now. It's a mess. Yeah, not great, Bob. Yeah. It's, this, uh, this I think, was my favorite. I might actually screenshot this and sent it to you last night. Mm-hmm. Jamie says, at the 2017 draft, we oh, traded... this was six- fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. At the two- I even said this to my wife last night, and she was just like, I don't fucking understand that. <laughs> at the 2017 draft, we traded a sixth rounder for a future sixth rounder. I guess we didn't know how to pick a player. Four picks later, Nashville traded a sixth rounder for a future fifth rounder. I guess we didn't have each team's phone number. <laughs> I have I have a pick we we can use right now, but I don't know what to do with it. So I'm gonna just give it to somebody and just make that pick next year. <laughs> like what the fuck? And it's and I, I I and it's just it's just it's just top it's top down it's top down. Uh, Kevin Adams is also appears to be a complete yes man to Pagula because I, I think I mentioned this on the pod last week. Rookie mistake in his press in his uh, his media availability a couple weeks ago when he came out and he said we're not trading Jack Eichel and nobody fucking asked him. Yeah, like it, it, nothing says. No, not I'm not training Jack Eichel. I'm sorry. It was Jack Eichel has not asked to be traded. 
Nothing says this guy totally asked to be traded than louder than the general manager saying unprompted he didn't ask to be traded. <laughs> I think this is a probably a, a pretty good time to bring in our uh, our guest tonight. You can find him on Twitter at, at Straight Sabres. They're a uh, Buffalo Sabres podcast, and they uh, are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. What's up, guys? How we doing? Living. So oh. we got... Is, oh, we I was wondering. I was like, cool. I was wondering if it was going to be Taylor or if it was going to. Is it Taylor? Yep, I'm Taylor. Taylor and Brendan. What up, nice to meet you guys? So we were just uh, recapping our fucking terrible week, <laughs> um, and and now I almost. They just kinda, gave us a look that said, yeah. "Oh, week, huh?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been. We've been oh. sitting here for the last like 40 minutes, fucking complaining about our team in the last week, week and a half, ah. and now I feel fucking stupid as fuck because <laughs> we got about to you guys. Insert Willy Wonka meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, boy, do we have a decade? To yeah, talk I was about. gonna say yeah. we got about a decade on you guys. <laughs> I was, I was just telling Andrew, I've got a buddy who lives down in Florida now, uh, and he comes up every couple of every couple of years, and it's normally me who goes up with him, and we go to Buffalo because he's a big Sabres fan. He. uh he vented to me last night, uh, big time, and oh, yeah. I'm very familiar with the fan base up there. I, I was just telling Andrew, I fucking love going up there. It, the last time I went there was still the Effin Center, but uh, yeah, but like, changed the, a lot since then. Yeah, I would assume so, man. The city, but, not the arena. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, but like the Let's Go Buffalo and the, just the energy in the arena. It's it's awesome. I I actually really fucking love it up there, and oh, nice. you can tell that it's a hockey town. But just like going to the games, going to Pearl Street after, getting fucking wrecked, going to Jim Stakeout. There's a lot more going back. Yeah, there's like a lot more really cool spots here. Now. I, I would assume so, man. Yeah. Like it's it seemed like a city that was like so many abandoned buildings, but you could tell that there was like some fucking love in that city. And mm-hmm. and I I haven't been able to get back up. I actually moved to Tennessee for almost a decade, so it's been at oh, least wow. ten years since I've been up there. Very different um, than from back yeah. then, for sure. Hopefully, I mean, like uh, going up for like World Juniors and stuff like that mm-hmm. is uh, that was like the last time I even thought of going up there. So, hopefully, next year when pandemic and all that stuff cleans itself up, going to some games up there will be good. Hit us up if you go, man. We go absolutely. All the time too. Um, yeah. Are you guys both in in Buffalo or? Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. both live I, in the city. Nice. Yeah. Very good. So. All right, let's get it. Let's get into this mess. Let's let's. Uh, I mean, I know you guys probably. If, even if I give you guys an hour, you guys aren't going to get out everything you want to about this fucking team. I'm sure. <laughs> Just remember this. I is listened. A safe space. I listened to your podcast that you guys posted. Was it today that you posted or yesterday? Uh, it would have been Monday. Was the most recent one we was put it Monday? out? Yeah. So I listened to that, and obviously, like the uh, the cynical anger came out, and I was like, "These are the guys I need to fucking hit up about." Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah. <on. laughs> Um, I'm going to start with, uh, Pagula. <laughs> oh, let's, <laughs> I was telling Andrew, I remember when they hired him, Jamie. And I know like a lot of Sabres fans were really excited about hiring or uh, hiring, uh, when, when he bought the team, a lot of people were really excited cause he's a fan of the team. He's going to do right by the fans. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Dude. He's the worst fucking fan. He's literally the equivalent. I said to my buddy last night, he's the equivalent of the fan that you see at a bar who starts talking about your favorite team and you have to pretend that you don't like that team. So he shuts the fuck up. Mm-hmm. That is who that guy is. <laughs> done nothing more than throw that franchise just into the pits of fucking despair in the NHL. Did you guys see that article the other day? That was like the rankings. Yeah. Had, yeah. Seattle above. I was like, it was the Buffalo so, news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it really Buffalo? News? Yeah. 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 It was. Oh, yep. 
Where, yeah. like, there is no quick fix, and in firing Kruger today is is not all you guys need to do. Right. As as Sabres fans, like passionate Sabres fans, how the fuck do you guys dig yourselves out of this hole right now? Well, I would say step one happened today. Um, Kruger was definitely not the be all end all of the organization's problems. But the fact of the matter is, is that a team with Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Dahlin, Jeff Skinner, Taylor Hall, like they're Henry Yoki Haru, uh, you know, and there's some other good young guys on the squad too. You know, they're pretty top heavy, but they are not as bad as being last place in the league, like behind Detroit. Like there's, it's just, there's no way. Um, a huge issue with the team this year, especially too, has been goaltending. That was something that everybody was expecting them to address in the off season. And they never did. Carter Hutton was like legally blind last season. And like, I'm not even joking. Like he was having vision problems last year, okay. um, like throughout the entire season. So they bring him back. Linus Allmark was, uh, you know, he's like 26 right now. Um, he was a promising prospect for us. He's been, he, he's like a, he's like a one B kind of guy. Like he's not a true starting goalie, but he was at least good enough. Carter Hutton was not good enough. Like if you were going to do a tandem, you could have done it with Allmark and somebody else, but Hutton was just not the guy and goaltending has sunk them several times this year where they just have needed a save and they just haven't gotten it. Um, he's just not good enough. And thankfully he's in the last year of his contract. So we won't be having to deal with him after this year, but I think that's a huge issue. I think the other thing too is, uh, you know, going into this year, we were actually just talking about this, that in the off season, there's this now infamous video of Terry Pagula behind closed doors, essentially saying, if they get Taylor Hall, they're going to become cup contenders. And Kevin Adams is like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were just talking simply, about that. It's simply not the case. Like if you look at the team, they brought back their entire defensive core from last year with the exception of signing Matt Irwin and Brandon Davidson, who are no better than seventh defenseman, maybe even AHL players. Um, you know, your bottom six, you really did not supplement. Cody Eakin is like one of the worst hockey players in the league, maybe the worst. Um, Kyle Opozo is a shell of himself due to injuries. And so, you know, you put those two guys on a line who are two of the literally worst players in the NHL, give them like third line minutes. And, you know, from uh, their expected goals, they, I believe their line is last in the NHL and among like lines that have played, like, I think it's like 50 minutes and all of like the top 10 are all guys who have played like, like lines 50, 60 minutes. And they have played, I think like over 120 together. So Kruger had this insist insistence of continuing to play them. So it's kind of like that mix of, they didn't do what they needed to do in the off season by not addressing the defense and trading some of the defense out, um, you know, for forward help. And they really didn't do much to supplement the bottom six. Uh, they didn't do anything with goaltending. And then they had a coach who did not know how to properly utilize his players or his line combination. So it was kind of like that perfect storm mixed with just like, like you had said before, having the dumbest owners on earth um, mm -hmm. that led to the, shit show of where we are now did i miss anything <laughs> uh no <laughs> i'll just go from a just a more general standpoint to answer your question like how do they dig out of this like the most important thing to me and you kind of you kind of got at this too is pagula needs to take like a step back it's two big things he needs to do mm -hmm. it's the complete opposite on both ends of what he's doing now one him and actually i should say them because they are co-owners terry and kim pagula kim pagula is the president of the team yeah. All right. Here's a big step. And has one. no qualifications yeah. to no. me. He's no longer the president of the team. Someone else is the president. That's a big important step. Someone who can oversee a GM, not just like from business operations, but like 
is a hockey president yeah. that oversees Kevin Adams. I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing Mike Gillis as a name that's being floated for that. Yeah, yeah, there, he's been thrown around. Names, yeah, because yeah. and, and I don't know how interested they are yet, but I guess we'll see. And like the other thing is just the general point there is they need to cede control of any kind of hockey operations. And the other thing that's kind of I probably harder, even harder sell than that to them is they need to reinvest in the franchise because the big thing and the only thing they've really done well is actually put money into the franchise and the surrounding area around the arena as well. But like they, they hired, they, there was a lot more positions uh, on the, the general, in the general organization when they took over, they spent a lot more money and they lost a lot more money because, you know, well, a million reasons they haven't been good that mm-hmm. there's no re- there's no way you can spend that much money and then also be last every year and make it back, especially in Buffalo. Yeah. So they need to be willing to take a loss, at least in the short term. And also not have, which is a really tough sell. I bet like, hey, you don't have any choice here and you have to spend money and know that you're going to actually lose money in the short term. Mm-hmm. So tough sell, but they have to do it. Otherwise, I don't see a way they can really turn around. And to piggyback off of that too, like in terms of reinvesting, like it's common knowledge right now, like the Sabres only have one person in their analytics department. They do not have, they do not have a scout in the WHL. They do not have a scout in Finland for the Liga or in Russia for the KHL. They said before the season that they were going to put a heavy reliance on video scouting, which is like fine, but that only gets you so far if you don't actually have like boots on the ground scouting guys, especially when you're looking at an ab- not only an abbreviated season for like overseas and with juniors. So you're not going to have as many opportunities to be able to scout guys. But also on top of that, like this year's draft class is really not that great compared to recent years, especially. Yeah. So probably the weakest in about a decade. Yeah, right. Like if if yep. you think that you're going to potentially have a top five pick this year, knowing what we know now, like you need to hit if you don't know, like it's not like you're going to have, you know, there's no like Dylan Cousins falling to you at number eight yeah. or Trevor Zegras going nine overall. Like that's not going to happen this year. You're not going to get guys who are going to fall that far. You might not even get guys who will go down as far as like Jamie Drysdale going like fifth, like mm. you, you just, or sixth. I mean, like you just don't know. So like, it's really not that strong of a draft and to not have like your scouts firing at all cylinders so that you can maximize what is already a crappy draft year is just like furthering the organizational incompetence. It's like, they just, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. It's the problem is like, okay. So then you have the thought of, should we just trade down? Should we trade out? Should we get value they should. for they a future pick? Not like, e- they shouldn't even trade down. They should trade out. Trade yeah. it to somebody else and pick up somebody who's maybe like an RFA at the end of the year on a yeah. team that's going to be in cap trouble. Yeah. What, about, what about um, a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters? Why not, why not just get draft capital and, you know, increase your odds? Or do you have, or do you have just little to no faith in anything to do with the scouting department with the Sabres, because you guys do have, you guys do have a, a, a decent cash cash of uh, young players, but on mass, they are being ruined. We, uh, I was talking with Thomas um, that plus minus is a dog food stat. It's a bullshit mm-hmm. stat, but it's a, but it's a good stat for one reason when it's an extreme case. Yeah. How are you a minus 27 and 27 games, Ross Mistaline? What is being done to you? Blink twice if you're blink, blink, blink twice if you're he still got alive. Fired today, that's what happened. <laughs> well, yeah. a little bit of that also him being like a turnstile yeah. all the time. Yeah. I do actually kind of want to touch on Kruger a little bit because um 
I'm fascinated by the guy's story. Um, something that I'm hearing a lot of when he was fired, I heard it no less than a half dozen times this morning, was that he was fired because he was a snake oil salesman. What does that mean exactly in this context? So I would say that he, a few things, like he sold himself as the kind of guy that could speak at the World Economic Forum, that could coach an NHL team and an Olympic team. The and world's most interesting man. Yeah, the, the <laughs> president of an English Premier League team, maybe the best soccer league in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no one can do those things. And it's probably worth noting that his other NHL job, they were not, the Edmonton Oilers were not good. He did a fine job, I think, with Team Europe in the World Championship and the Swiss team, I guess, did a terrible job in the EPL. And obviously he's done a terrible job here. And I think the, the big thing is he was selling uh, kind of like this like really vague, like, system also believing in each other and motivation kind of thing. Like he wrote like kind of a motivational kind of book mm-hmm. that a lot of Sabres fans sarcastically uh, tweet out all the time. And it, it's kind of like he, he came there and it was very clear, like right away last year or within a few months that his system was just like the same shit, a bunch of other NHL coaches doing. It's the most boring conservative thing you could do. It's trying to really limit the other team's quality chances. And which in turn, depending on how, what kind of coach you are, that can limit, your offensive chances. I mean, you sometimes that calculus works. It's worked for the Islanders right now in the past few years. And they're first in the division. They beat us like 11 times this year already. <laughs> yep. um, but like <laughs> specific talent, it, it didn't work. They didn't have, bless you, they didn't have Cal Clutterbuck or, you know, the kind of guys the Islanders have that kind of make it make sense for them to do that. And in mm-hmm. fact, they had like guys that had offensive talent. So I think a lot of people are like, does this guy even realize what kind of talent he has? And at the same time, what is this motivation shit? It doesn't seem like it's working. It doesn't seem the team's particularly motivated. And in fact, very passe, very passe stuff. Like yeah, stuff that's passed by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, like the past month or so, it's like the team doesn't even seem like it's motivated to play hockey like at all. So it's, I, I think, and he he the, the reason I think a lot of people were really annoyed with him too, fans and media like are he answered every direct question in a press conference with like a five minute soliloquy. <laughs> Even if he was lying, mm-hmm. which he he's been caught multiple times this year, he got called out by Jack Eichel for lying about Jack's injury. Yeah. So I, I think there's a, there's a bunch of things that added up to the snake oil salesman kind of pitch. And I think there's nothing stronger than the fact that he's a guy that talks about like economic principles, but he's also like, he's an NHL coach yeah. and not a good one. Or he's, he's a bad soccer president. Like he's, he has no success anywhere. So where is he getting these ideas about these principles he talks about? I don't want to hear stock market advice from the coach of the Buffalo Sabres. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That was like a thing that like when the pandemic happened, people like when they would have virtual press conferences, like some members of the Buffalo media would like ask him his thoughts on like the pandemic response. And it's like, why do you care? Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't need to hear what Ralph Kruger has to say. About why, it. why did you need a soundbite that bad? Right. Because he's this worldly man, but even to take like uh, one other point too, that I think is worth mentioning is, you know, as Taylor had mentioned, Kruger, a lot of the principles that he, Oh God, that's his word principles. Uh, a lot of the, the principles though, that he was trying to instill in the team and like his, his system was very old school defensive minded. But when he was originally brought here, you know, he wasn't shy about talking about leaning on analytics and being a forward thinking mind in the league. And it's literally like your decision-making is completely at odds with you saying that you are going against 
what not even just what the numbers say, but like the eye test too. just basic common sense. Again, like deploying Cody Eakin and Kyle Pozo at even strength together for over 100 minutes this season is just like it's insane to me. Deploying that playing them at all in the first place is insane to me. And so it was just, again, like he would, he would say that he wanted to be this forward thinking mind and, you know, it just, none of his decisions actually added up to him showing any semblance of that. I remember, I remember right before the Washington game where they got their dick stomped in, um, mm, they am- announced that they were scratching Cody Eakin, like it was some grand solution. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Let us have this. It, it, it reeks of let us have this. Let us have one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's bad. The and fact honestly, that the ownership endorsed him as, as coach in the first place, just being a bullshit artist is more of an indictment on the ownership in the front office in general. And I think so the many. only, the only way that this is going to get turned around short of Terry selling the fucking team is, he needs to check his ego and he needs to be willing to hire the right fucking minds who are going to step in and be capable of telling him, be like, you need to just not talk. He needs someone and to tell him we no. Need, we need, exactly. That's, he he's, needs, he that's did hiring, that for the Bills. That's, that's why yeah. the Bills have success is because exactly. Brandon Bean can tell him, no, shut the fuck up and let me do my job. Yeah. And you, and that's the thing. I mean, that's a whole reason why that they hired Kevin Adams and that. Watch him hire Brandon Bean. Well, yeah, right. But Kevin Adams, I mean, he was, he's a yes man. He he has no front office experience, you know, and then not only that, they don't have any assistant GMs for a first time GM who has never served in an assistant GM role himself. Yeah. So who does this guy have to, to lean on and, and rely on? You know, it, uh, it's crazy to me. I mean, that that's the thing is like, there's just so many things that you can look at with the Pagoulas as indictments of them. Just It's a smartest man in the room type of thing too. It's right. Like, well, yeah. it's it, but it is an ego thing. They have this weird insistence on thinking that like they know more and they know what they're doing. Like last year, a whole huge thing was Kim Pagula in an interview once literally was quoted as saying, while the team is completely in the shitter and at the bottom of the division last year, not like when they didn't make a 2016 or 2014 playoff, she had the nerve to say, oh, well, we have a little bit more information than the fans does. It's like, dude, I don't care what you have to say. I could pick four people on Sabres Twitter who I think are smart enough Put them in the general manager, assistant general manager, head of scouting, and coach, and this team would be in the playoffs in two years, no doubt. No doubt. Like Kim, Bagu- Kim Pagula strikes me as someone who calls someone a peasant unironically. Yeah, that's yeah. Terry <laughs> probably does too. They, it's, they, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's it's an annoying situation with that too because I think there's a big difference with the Bills and the Sabers is that Terry never really fancies himself a football fan, like. That, kind of, that opportunity just kind of presented itself. Whereas mm-hmm. I think he thinks he knows hockey, which is a problem. The other thing is with hoping to hire the right person is that they don't know how to hire people. And in fact, one of the, one of the most distressing things I've, I've read uh, as a Buffalo sports fan in the past couple of years is the story of how they hired Sean McDermott because the bills were as much of a disaster as the Sabres. Like they weren't as bad because they had more talent, uh, but they inherited something with the bills, nothing good, but they inherited a mediocre team. So they weren't terrible. And the way they got good and fairly quickly was they hired Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott brought in his friend, Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean's been a really good GM. Him and McDermott have 
built a good culture there and the Bagools have taken a step back and they mostly they mostly just like to hang around or hang out like around the general success of the bills they don't mm-hmm. they're not too directly they're just involved. chilling on the they side just, Osmosis, yeah mm-hmm. yeah in the room now the reason i say they hired sean mcdermott like by accident is because the so mo- bad the thing that terry pagula was taken by with sean mcdermott is that he was a high school wrestler yeah and terry really respected that are you so, kidding me so literally no sadly. that's how we ended up with the right guy so like if the sabers are going to have success i think unfortunately it's either going to be they're going to hire a president who like someone i don't know by accident yeah, well, not <laughs> yeah even, he's going to fail upwards yeah someone who uh really shouldn't want the job but takes it or someone just complete you know like someone that probably shouldn't probably shouldn't be hiring but like but they should be hiring but for a completely different reason like mm. i don't know he like terry liked the cut of his jib for some reason <laughs> Now he's now he's on the team, and there's there's a whole thing too. Now that one of the rumored coaches to replace Kruger is Nate Lehman from Providence, and I was trying to figure out like how did that come about? How how is that a thing? And I was like, oh yeah, Providence played at the Frozen Four when they were in Buffalo. He probably just like bumped into Terry in the hallway, had a nice conversation, and now Terry's like, that's someone we should consider. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's all I can come up with. There's no way they. I don't know. Don't put a rookie coach in this dumpster fire. I mean, Nate Lehman is a very respected coach in college, but so was Dave Haxtall. And he had a decent team and he sucked as a head man. Jamie literally said to me last night, he would be, he'd be willing to put money on the fact that the Sabres will probably just hire like a college coach, no NHL experience. Well, the thing with Lehman, like you said, like he's definitely qualified for an NHL job, you know, people in hockey circles have been saying that he should be an NHL coach for a while. I mean, he's won a national, but not here. Yeah. But not here. But yeah, like he's won a national championship. He's been, he was at the frozen four, uh, what last year, the last year that they played it because they didn't last. So in 19, um, you know, he just coached team USA to a gold medal at the world junior. So like the guy, he could be good. He's an attractive hire because of those things right now. Yes. He's he's the new toy. Yes. Could be, you know, and the thing is, is like, you got to, it's worth saying that like the thing that we hated about Kruger is that he was like an old head, you know, and like if Lehman could represent like a forward thinking mindset, then that's good. The problem though, is what I had said before and something that Taylor and I have talked about at length, which is again, they don't have an assistant GM. They have a rookie GM who was like managing the hockey rink next door last like last this time last year. Um, your scouting department is depleted. Uh, you know, you have a disgruntled center right now, like who is understandably so voices frustration, other players, your core players on the team have voiced their frustration. This is a pivotal moment for the franchise. Like next year is like huge. And we've been saying that every year. I mean, you do that every year that you're in, you know, a decade long playoff drought, but like next year is really, really, really important, especially because the upcoming off season is so important with all of the major moves that they have hanging in the balance between Erasmus Dahlin extension or what they're going to do with him in general, what's going to happen with Sam Reinhardt, if they're finally going to commit to him, which they absolutely should do. Mm-hmm. So to me, with that in mind, just the lack of experience surrounding the organization and how pivotal next year is, I don't feel comfortable putting that in the hands of a guy who has never coached an NHL game before. I feel much more comfortable putting it in the hands of like Bruce Boudreau, who has had success pretty much everywhere where he's gone. He's the fastest coach to reach 200 wins. Uh, I, I don't know if that still is the case, but at the time back with the Capitals, he had reached that point. He's made the playoffs in 10 of his 13 seasons in the NHL. He's a offensive minded coach who has done two key things that I think are both relevant for the Sabres. One is he has 
had star players under him who have thrived in his offense first system. Ovechkin was putting up ridiculous numbers with him. Um, I believe the year that they won the president's trophy, I think they had six guys who had scored 20 goals that season. So you have that side of it. And also though, even outside of the caps, he's able to maximize rosters, you know, his teams that he had in Anaheim, like, yeah, he had Perry and Getzlav, you know, in like the, the mid 2010s, but you know, they were only putting up like their best years, like 70 points a season. And you had Richard Raquel before he was really that good. Yeah. Jacob Silverberg was still pretty young then. Um, then you look at Minnesota and he was the coach when Eric Stahl put up 40 goals, but also then their next best player was Michael Granlund, who he had a good year that year beyond that. I mean, Jason Zucker, Matt Dumba was really young still when he was like a couple years ago. So he, he's been able like, again, though, he's gotten to the playoffs 10 of the 13 years that he's been a coach. So to me, I feel much more comfortable mortgaging my future in the hands of a guy who has a demonstrated history of success rather than somebody who has no experience because the time to hire a person like Nate Lehman was two years ago when they hired Ralph Kruger. That's, I was literally just about to say something like that. Whereas the, the hire that you make now doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who's going to be around forever. Like, like a Lindy Ruff. you guys don't need to hire somebody who's going to be there in five, 10 years. You need to hire somebody who's going to see what the fuck this team has right now particularly like the young players, mm-hmm. see what you actually have, motivate them, show them what an, what an NHL franchise should be run like. And then you could make that other hire. Well, yeah. You know what I mean, it, like that would be, that, that would be probably best case scenario. I don't think they're going to hire anybody who's going to write the ship right now, because I don't know if you guys have hit rock bottom yet. And that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how many times we've asked ourselves that is yeah. this rock bottom? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, is there, is, I don't is know. Is there a bottom there. after the rocks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, I so don't it's, even know. It's depressing to like look at it. And again, like I'm not a Sabres fan or anything like that, but I, I respect the franchise. I enjoy watching the team. And obviously, like one of my good friends wants to talk Sabres as much as possible. So I have a rough idea of just the general sadness that's coming out yeah. of that fan base right now because that's all it is. Like it's it's frustrating to invest yourself that much into a team that does mm-hmm. nothing back for you. Well, and that's and you guys have been dealing with that for far fucking too long. And if yeah. you think about it too, you kind of alluded to it before, but Buffalo is such a hockey crazy market. Like even when the, the team has been hot garbage for the past 10 years, but if you pay attention to like TV ratings and the NHL playoffs, when there are national games, like Buffalo without question is always in the top three. A lot of times they're number one ahead of teams who are even playing in that game in terms yeah. of viewership and the respective markets. Like yeah. people here go nuts. And just thinking back to, you know, the last time that we had like, true legitimate like powerhouse success was 2005 2006 and 2006 2007 when they had back-to-back conference finals trips and i just the the energy in that building was electric like unlike anything i had ever witnessed before in my life and uh i had nightmares about thomas vanek yeah (laughs) there you go so it's just insane that you know you just have this market here in buffalo that is so passionate about hockey and cares so deeply about the team to the point now that people are just like hate watching because they can't look away. Um, It's just like a shame. Like we just honestly, like not to sound self-righteous, but like we deserve better. (laughs) We really do. You do. You do. As a, uh, as a fan base, y'all deserve so much better than what you've gotten in the last 10 years. And whether that be, whether that be because of the ownership or, you know, 
the rebuild, the first rebuild um, that went horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> and the yeah. second rebuild that went horribly, horribly wrong. And now the third rebuild that has gone horribly, horribly wrong. It's just, you know, at what point, at what point do you just, th- you, you're not going to throw From your hands. Seattle up. fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you guys aren't going to throw, throw up your hands. Um, obviously you guys are Sabres fans, you know, true blue till you're dead and cold, etc. But like it's not a quick fix but what is the fix um other than other than you know get a president in there get a get a coach in there and set up the foundation but if you guys don't have if your team does not have boots on the ground in scouting and Terry Bagula is apparently too cheap to invest in that mm. like what do you do? It's just, it's, 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 it's sad. Like, and then it goes back to my, it goes back to my point. Do you go a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters? You, do you just acquire a, a shitload of draft capital and just hope you hit on a few? That's see, that's tough because the way they would do that is have to really tear down this team. And I'm really, I'm torn on that. Cause I don't, I don't really know what to think. I was kind of getting, I was kind of getting there without, you know, yeah, I feel saying like, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I feel like it's tough. First, it's first of all, it's like tough to tear down a team that hasn't done anything like they, but to, to do a tear down the 10th after the 10th year in a row, you missed the playoffs, but also just because it feels like, oh, okay, well, if, if Hall really did want to resign here and they could, let's say buy out a post in the off season, it feels like it shouldn't be the hardest thing in the world to put a playoff team around Eichel Hall, Reinhardt, whoever else, you know, Darlene, hopefully with a better coach, like it, whoever else is there, Skinner, like, like it shouldn't be that hard. And you talk on the other hand, that. like right now they're the worst team in the league. So maybe it is that hard. So <laughs> I I'm really torn. I have no idea which direction if I would, I would go in if I was them. I have a feeling the Pagulas don't want to do a full teardown. Uh, but if they did, yeah, this would be a great time to get a ton of draft capital. The problem mm. is they've, you know, sucked huge asset drafting. Like even before they, got really bad they've, they've pretty much been bad at drafting for this whole century <laughs> terrible at it yeah and I'm, i would just... i'm nervous about the idea that pagula is willing to tear it all down because i think the ego is probably his biggest issue and yeah. for yeah. him to admit that he fucked up like it sounds it sounds to me from hearing it from you guys and from what i've read like he's just not capable of admitting and his wife you never even hear from capable. him though yeah, it's, it's a it's an annoying situation like he they don't they don't live in buffalo they live in florida uh, <laughs> of course, they, yeah, they, of fucking course. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They, I mean, they really never have lived in Buffalo. He's not yeah. even from Buffalo. He's from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, and, oh, Penn State. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the other things like with him that have been uh, concerning because I don't. He's not broke. Like you know, there's a lot of like throwing around broke. Like there's a lot of funny jokes, which I respect. Uh, <laughs> but really, they're not broke. They're they, but they could be cash poor because mm-hmm. uh, the oil industry in America. Let's say the fracking industry. What it is. Uh, is going through a, a rough patch. A couple places, like I think BP pulled out, like they took like billions of dollars in losses to pull out permanently. Uh, so there's there's some questions about the future of that, and they're doubling down on that. But really, they've spent a ton of money on the hospitality industry and other industries. Spent a lot of money on the Sabres and Bills, obviously. And during the pandemic for the past year, they sure they made some money on the Bills. Sabres, I'm sure, have been a huge loss. And then the 716, the restaurant they built, uh, the other restaurant they put money into, the Little Bat Brew House, those have both been shut down for the entire pandemic. Mm. Uh, the Harbor Center, the rink they've play, they've built, like I'm sure they're losing money on that. The hotels, like hotels aren't making money right now. They had a marketing 
firm. They, they uh, for some reason started, but I'm, I think they might have shut down. I don't know if they did. What was they that had, called again? Oh, I don't remember. They had a country music label that I'm. They overextended sure themselves. They yes, really did. I think they were losing money on so many things at the same time that they're really nervous about spending money. And that's going to, you're going to have to start doing that hiring president, AGM scouts again, mm-hmm. someone to repolster the seats in the arena, <laughs> a few things just like that. And I'm, I'm nervous that he isn't interested in doing that anymore. Well, and I just want to add to like, to your point too, about whether you just go for like the complete teardown or whether like, you don't, I don't like this year, they have to go for it because of the fact that, you know, as I said, like this upcoming off season is pivotal for them, but also like, if you're going to try and acquire draft capital, doing it now wouldn't make sense. Like do it for the following draft after that, because that already, you know, it's a ways out, but like, you know, we knew ahead of the 2015 draft that it was going to be amazing. And we've been getting reports that this upcoming, the, the 2022 draft, it would be, is supposedly going to be really good. So to me, I mean, worst case scenario, if you do end up having to tear it all down, I would give it one more shot next year where you have a new coach, you can hire whoever you want to have in there. You know, a big thing with Ralph Kruger was people saying that he was really involved with personnel decisions so now it's like that Kevin Adams is on the hot seat. Now it's like, dude, you have no cover. Now you have nothing that you could say, Oh, it was this excuse or that one. Like you got to make it happen this off season. And you know, you could keep the core in place, but still drastically improve the rest of the roster and supplement the talent that you have right now. So that it doesn't have to be a full rebound, but you're just yeah. completely retooling because you could, they could be a playoff team. Like there's no reason you can't, mm-hmm. this is only the fifth time in the history of the NHL that there's going to be a 10 year playoff yeah. drought. Yeah. Like you got to try to be that bad. Yep. Adams has only been there for less than a year. Am I right? Yeah. He got hired before this season. Okay. All right. Yeah. Already on the hot seat. Jesus Christ. Well, no, I, I don't want to say the hot seat. I don't want to say that because I think he does have some no, but time. He, he's next for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kruger's, Kruger's gone. So now the yeah. sword's dangling over his head. Right. And I just more so mean that like now the, the, the spotlight's on him because again, Kruger was really involved with personnel decisions. We know Terry Pagula is too, but it's like, dude, there's, there's no excuse now. Like, what is your excuse going to be that? Like, you know, your boss wouldn't let you like, you're a grown ass man. Like you are the (laughs) general manager of an NHL franchise. Like my dad wouldn't let me. Yeah. Literally. No, that's how it sounds. It really is. So like, there's no excuses here. So like now the spotlight's going to be on him because if he doesn't show up and he doesn't again, like trade Rasmus for and, you know, address the goaltending position, um, buy out Kyle Opozo somehow get rid of Cody Eakin, not spend $2 million a year on guys who are going to be playing on the fourth line who you could sign for $750,000, like just things like that. And then also too, on top of that, like, you know, maybe like draft somebody good once in a while Mm -hmm. wouldn't hurt and maybe make a couple of nice trades to upgrade like your, you know, second line and the second defensive pair. And like, it may seem like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just a busy off season, but you can get there. There's no reason they can't. I'm hoping wow. I'm hoping it turns around for you guys. Thank you. Like, I appreciate, appreciate that. Like it's it's I think like we were just talking about Buffalo being a good hockey like hockey city in general. It's healthy for the league to have good hockey coming out of hockey cities. I Absolutely. don't fucking care that the Canes make the playoffs every year. I don't fucking care. And I'm I'm biased cuz I'm I live right outside of Hartford and it's a pain in the ass to watch them wear the whaler <laughs> shit but yeah. But it's like I don't I don't care about hockey there, and I originally thought that way about Nashville, and then I lived there for so long, and it's like okay, this the the team does a really good job in that community and stuff like that. But I know that's not the case in 
in uh in Florida for the Panthers. I know that's not the case in Dallas, but mm-hmm. but why can't <laughs> how does Dallas go to a Stanley Cup and in Buffalo hasn't even fucking looked at it in was it what has it been like 16, 17 years now? Mm-hmm. Since the cup, ninety nine yeah. was the last time. Ninety nine, yeah. Christ, so it's man. been yeah, it's been we're getting, years. Finals 15 we're getting fucking years old, ago. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So speaking of of that era, love the jerseys right now. Love yeah. the jerseys. It's one of my favorite one of my favorite NHL jerseys. Period. The and Royal I'm Blues. Glad, yeah, and I'm, Your I'm glad they went back was to dope it. too. Thank it's you. all right. It's not too bad. I don't mind it. No. Were you guys fans of the slug or the goat? The goat. The goat. Yeah. The slug was terrible. Every it, the slug was universally hated, and yeah. people can like look back and say like, oh, like at the time when they made the switch, like nobody liked the goat head, but now everybody has so much nostalgia for it. Like, mm-hmm. but that was the other part of it too, though. Like, they're the, again the Pagulas being idiots about things. They weren't selling any black and red era merch until this year for the first time since 2007. When again, people are clamoring for it. And it's like, dude, if you're like trying to make some money, like look at Anaheim. Anaheim is the perfect example of a team that leans in to the nostalgia, their fan base and the rest of the league for that matter. Yeah, it's because it's not just their fan base. It's it's all of us who grew up on Mighty Ducks and all that shit. Right. Uh do you guys want to plug uh, plug the podcast? Because I know we've got a, a bunch of listeners that will also listen to you guys too. Sure, yeah, we're uh, we're straight up sabers. Uh, we post every Monday and uh, Thursday. Uh, obviously, you can find us any any streaming uh, network, any any wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yep, Beautiful. and you can find us. We're on Twitter uh, at Straight Sabers and on Facebook and on Instagram at Straight Up Sabers. So we always follow or we uh we live tweet through games and usually a lot of times there's a lot of profanity and, and anger so if you're into that sort of thing and having some laughs we're we're a good follow <laughs> love it guys right. thanks so much man i had a blast with you guys thank you for having yeah, us thanks. on we appreciate it absolutely be good boys all right andrew i, I fucking enjoyed that interview man I don't know what it is about the Sabres. I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with the fact that one of my really good friends is is a diehard Sabres fan, but I, I feel so fucking bad for that franchise. And and to start that interview feeling like, oh, well, we're coming off a really shitty week. It's like, I, man, I feel like a fucking asshole for even thinking that. Yeah, you, know, you can't. You would get no one. Nobody listening to this could see it. But when you said that, um, I think it was uh, uh, Brandon just looked at the camera like, yeah. are you serious right now <laughs> it's so rough man yeah. I, I, it's honestly like i wasn't just saying it to them like i really enjoy going up to buffalo and catching those mm-hmm. games and I, yeah. I know like obviously like i've got kids jamie's got kids and stuff like that i i know at some point we'll make our way back up there and, and do it up but it is it is frustrating to watch a franchise like that just they can't get out of their own ways because just of drown the they're drowning it, They're drowning. Like, it's not like you can fire or or call for firing the fucking owner. You can't peer pressure a dude into selling a franchise either. It's <laughs> look it at the sucks, Knicks. Man. Look at the Knicks with sell the team, Seriously. Dolan. That that Seriously. thing's been that's been trending for five years, and yeah. Dolan will just laugh it off, as is his right. He fucking owns the team. Yep. <laughs> now, but this this situation is worse because mm-hmm. Dolan is. Has, like Dolan's a piece of shit, but Bagula doesn't know he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. So Dolan seems Dolan games. seems to be well aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we've got them for two games. Seven o'clock tonight, and then Saturday at one o'clock, another another day game. Mm-hmm. 
I I don't see how we lose either one of these games because of the state of the Sabres. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to tell me that the Sabres are the worst team in hockey, just judging by the last 10 games or last 15 games and stuff, I think the Bruins are kind of in the bottom tier of the league right now. We might get a really bad taste of medicine and split this series. I'm, I'm going to be optimistic for once and say that we take both games and we take f- all four points and the Sabres get nothing. But I'm honestly, grain of salt, man. Like, I really think this might be the turning point for the Bruins if we lose one of these games. This fan base will implode. I'm going to take you a grain of salt and I'm going to throw it over my shoulder for good luck because <laughs> I actually see a loss. I see yeah. a split. Yeah. I see a split. Maybe it's, an overtime loss, but they don't lose 14. They don't lose 13 and 14 in a row, do they? I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. This is this is a dangerous dangerous time. It's a very right dangerous now. time right now. Like it for the Sabres and the Sabres fans, it almost doesn't fucking matter what they do right now. Mm-hmm. Like it really doesn't. Whether even if they go on a little hot streak and win six out of the next ten. Yeah, right. Like it's not going to change shit for the franchise. So, or if they go on a hot streak and win one straight, you know, yeah, I mean, that would yeah. could be considered a hot streak for them at this point. Yeah. But so I'm I, hoping, I'm hoping that this is a chance for Bruins to right the ship and. And, and and maybe put a couple goals on the board, maybe some secondary score, and maybe get some confidence back on this team. Um, I'll put in my, for my formal prediction, I'll put three or four points. I'll put an overtime loss. But sure. I think the Sabres do take one. Well, as always, I hope you're fucking wrong, dude. Yeah, as always, I hope <laughs> I'm fucking wrong, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got those two games, and as far as I could tell, it doesn't look like we have a, a game coming up immediately after that. We've got the following Thursday like a week from now against the Islanders and back home. And it's, and again, it's a, a night game day game thing where it's a Thursday, Saturday. So schedule is very strange right now, but yeah, uh, we will, we will see how it goes. This team I think is capable of more than they've shown, but they need help. Two things can be true. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, my man. All right, let's go get hammered. I right, do. Later.